0: the pandemic, social unrest, the state and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show.
1: Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now, it's one you You're listening to The John DiPietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. We're say good afternoon, my friend Steve Gilmore. He's enjoying the program. Uh, folks, this portion of the show is brought to you by Lodge Pept Eatery. Stop in and see them. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Great meal is waiting for you. They also have the beautiful new deck. Check it out. What a tradition it is since 1994, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Right now it's 106, and coming up later this afternoon, President Biden's going to do his first press briefing of the new year. And let, let's, you know, let's be honest. Uh, if you were the Biden people, his staff, uh, his supporters, Schumer, Pelosi, they're going to be holding their breath. Can he get through the briefing without completely, you know, going into that? This thing could go off the rails very, very quickly. And there, there's, you know, there's, it's a fluid situation that's going on right now in the world, by the way. NATO is on alert. Putin wants Ukraine. Putin is going to invade Ukraine. Do we have a problem with inflation? Yes, we do. Do we have a problem with supply chain? Yes. If you're a business owner, every business owner you talk to, they can't find workers. <clears throat> Biden is not up to the job. You know, I read a great piece this morning. So they were doing a focus group. I forgot to mention this earlier. And they were talking. To, it was an independent woman in um I think in Virginia. And because they were polling during, you know, the, the big governor's race down there. And she said, pres this is a great line. President Biden seems like a supporting role, a supporting actor in a movie, not one of the lead actors. For those of you that I think that's great. I've never I haven't heard that before. I like that. That is different. Inside Biden's declining popularity. As he struggles with multiple crises, It's a very well written piece. And I'm going to pull it up in, in just a moment. But yeah. Who wrote this? Ashley Parker, Tyler Page and Sean Sullivan. Across this in the Washington Post. You know this is um, the second week of August began as a time for vacation for President Biden. I'm going to talk about Governor McKee in just a moment. But some of his team. Then Afghanistan imploded. The reports out of Kabul were harrowing images of desperate Afghan nationals clinging to U.S. military airplanes leaving the country. Days later, suicide bombing at the gate to the airport killed 13 U.S. troops. Addressing the nation on August 16th, Biden defended his decision to leave Afghanistan, but acknowledged the Taliban takeover didn't. It did unfold more quickly than we anticipated. Administration officials and others, they claimed that most Americans would forget about the messy process weeks later. Then you had, but across the river in Arlington, Virginia, aides working for Democrat Terry McAuliffe's gubernatorial campaign in Virginia were picking up on troubling trends. The race was tightening amid what they would later describe as a negative national climate. Collateral damage from the chaotic Afghan withdrawal Among other issues, the memo found voters also viewed the virus pandemic and the economy as two of their three most important issues. In post-election briefings with Democrats after McAuliffe lost to Virginia, campaign aides argued that the crisis the Biden administration faced in August undercut the president and his party's message of competency, competence and a return to normalcy. Biden presented himself as an antidote to President Trump, offering the promise what his campaign called strong, steady, stable leadership. But the withdrawal from Afghanistan offered an early glimpse of the cascade of crises that had badly eroded Biden's image of restoring calm. So this afternoon, it's going to be his first full Biden. Third tomorrow, mark his first full year of presidency. Democrat disarray, stalled legislation, supply chain issues, worrying inflation, rising tension with Russia, another highly transmissible variant called Omicron, all of which have led to an approval rating stuck in the low 40s. Biden, Stafford and other defenders say took office facing unprecedented calamity. true. Thin congressional majority, blah blah blah. But the administration also repeatedly underestimated the magnitude of the nation's challenges, including failing to anticipate the Delta variant. Struggled to unite the liberal base and the more moderate wing of the party. President's team have also stumbled in offering a clear, reassuring message, unable to convince many Americans that they understand and that better days are ahead. Um. Let's see, one rep, Democrat from Nevada, said, if I would give them a grade, I'd have to give them an incomplete, and she's being kind. The decline in the poll numbers, which were already dropping, accelerated over the summer. By early September, more Americans disapproved than approved of the way Biden was handling the job for the first time in his presidency. Post, uh, Washington Post-ABC polls showed a 10-point drop in approval of Biden's handling of the pandemic from late June to early September. The September uh, Washington Post-ABC poll also found 60% disapproved of his handling of the situation in Afghanistan. And by November, his overall job rating had dipped further amid rising disapproval of the handling of the economy and the virus. Biden's poor August poll numbers, said David Axelrod, former senior advisor to Obama, from, quote, combination execution of the exodus from Afghanistan with the resurgence of the virus that people six weeks earlier were being told was largely behind us. Created a sense of disorder when what they were really hoping for was orderliness. It's true. Um, The Biden administration has a story of real accomplishment. Many Americans are still feeling a sense of unease, unsettlement and disruption. The assessment from Republicans even more stark. Rona McDaniel, who we've had on this program, Republican National Committee chairwoman, said for a long time we saw Biden no matter what was given the benefit of the doubt for American people. He's a good guy. He's trying his best. But Afghanistan was his first major hit. That was the moment he looked callous, uncaring, incompetent, failed in a key moment of leadership. The rest has been attrition by COVID, inflation, other things right now. Most Americans are frustrated. You can't get a test. Can't get anything you think the Biden administration should have prepared us for. Here are the words that are coming out. Suburban women swing voters. This was a Democrat focus group. Listen to this. How do you describe Biden? Old, incoherent, lazy, sleepy Joe. Joe. First descriptions came to mind: ten suburban women swing voters who gathered late last year for a virtual focus group conducted by a Democrat pollster on behalf of several liberal organizations. The results were reviewed on the condition, oh, so they let the Washington Post looked at it of who exactly was um in the group. As to elaborate, I like this. The women in the focus group said it seemed like he's trying but that Biden shuffles and frequently seems to lose his train of thought. Biden is, quote, wishy-washy, standing up to his own party, one woman said, explaining she thought the president seemed more like an actor in a supporting role. What a great line. He doesn't doesn't convey being strong to me. He seems weak. He is weak. He is feeble. He is wishy-washy. He's all those things. He's also 79 years old, but he's an old 79 years old. So um, he is all of those things. And this is the type of story that I'm telling you right now, that the Democrats in Rhode Island, um, especially a lot of the people that cover it, they, they, um, they discard a lot of these things. You know, I'm already seeing, and, and again, I, I watch and read some of the comments on social media. Do you know last night, um, even though Blake Filippi, as I've said, folks, and again, good afternoon at 115, it's the John DePietro Show. Um, that one of them, that, that this one person last night was saying, I can't believe McKee didn't talk about January 6th and said and then philippi didn't even talk about january 6th what world are these people living in you know why biden is not talking about january 6th because no one cares about january 6th you know what they're finding the more they talk about january 6th no one cares you know what people care about you go to the grocery store there's nothing on the shelf that's what they care about the price of gas what's on the shelf they can't get a test Someone that says I can't get people to come work in my business—that's what they care about. But there are people out there, you know. There are these people that are putting on social. Media, oh, there's no way a Republican's going to win Langevin's seat because of Trump. You're not paying attention. That's that. That's then. How do you explain Virginia? Biden won Virginia by ten points, and Glenn Youngkin won. President Trump got two hundred thousand votes in Rhode Island. So that person, I don't know who that person is, but he's, he's just an anti-Trump person. That's not what people are focused on right now. Getting back to Biden, though, they're going to try to change their messaging strategy, allowing Biden more frequently speak directly to Americans who are struggling. Um, so he had an off-the-record meeting yesterday with uh, a number of the network anchors. So, so that's different. Uh, I don't think that helps him, by the way. So I don't think that helps him. Biden's tone has changed in two high-profile speeches. Um, the, The one on the anniversary of January 6th, the trespassing day, and also pushing for voting legislation. President took a more forceful approach. Yeah, and the voting thing bombed. The first, the more aggressive posture heartened Democrats think he spent his first year too bogged down. Uh, some allies gripe that Biden was behaving more like the Senate Judiciary Committee chair than once was uh, than the president. Several times he traveled to Capitol to push one of his goals, only to get thwarted by members of his own party. <laughs> one area that hasn't much changed is personnel. The White House has resisted calls from others, both sides, to get rid of some, some fire some central players involved with the pandemic. And they're still not going to do that. Um, let's see, Lake, one who works on the Biden campaign, now working with the DNC, Biden, moving from the legislative phase, more leadership phase. I don't think he's up to it. I don't think he's up to it. I like that, really, that line. He seems more like a, a supporting actor. For those of you that, you know, in, in a film... Right In a movie, you watch the Academy Awards, you have Best Actor, Best Actress, but then you have the people in the supporting role. So they're in the movie, but they're just not like the leading star characters of the film. And that's what he seems to remind people more of. I'm going to play the Tucker Carlson uh, clip from last night again. He is so on the money. This portion of the John DiPietro Show, folks, it is brought to you by Competition Shooting Supplies. Now, listen. Crime is still up. Can you believe the amount of um, the surveillance cameras were able to show the television stations? I mean, everyone now has photos of wanted. and you see people robbing a bank and robbing this and that. And it's not your imagination. The criminals are getting more dangerous. That's why you need to stop into competition shooting supplies. Where are they located? 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. What do they offer? Firearms, ammunition, accessories. And what they really offer at Competition Shooting Supplies, is my friend, my gun guy, John Francis. He will not steer you wrong. Look for them on Facebook. They're open today. They're open tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. Competition Shooting Supplies. Look for them on Facebook as well. Uh, John Francis updates his page frequently, Competition Shooting Supplies. Folks, at as always, visit the website, petro.com This portion of the John DePetro Show is brought to you by Brother's Disposal. Come on, brother. Good afternoon, brother. <clears throat> Brother's Disposal, do you have some unwanted belongings? Why not get rid of um, some of the trash and unwanted belongings that you have in your home? Brother's Disposal, call Brother Roland, and he will bring a dumpster. Write to your home or business, Brother's Disposal, 401-688-0517, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook. Come on, brother, it's Brother's Disposal, 401-688-0517. So I also want to check some of the news. Um, let's see, the kidnapping... Kidnapping murder trial of Lewis Coleman has been pushed back from February to May. He's accused of kidnapping Jazzy Curry outside of Boston nightclub, putting her body in a suitcase. We are going to cover that trial. So that's delayed. COVID is delaying a lot of trials. Uh, um, When did that happen? Yeah, that was 2019. Folks, they are so backed up. May 9th now, potentially. Uh, We plan to cover that. He's being held. At the white detention center at central falls he's being, uh he's been held there I, I think the whole time as he should be as a matter of fact you also there's another uh you know because people ask me um oh good, okay people ask me um as far as uh you know when when is the trial going to happen for the um what 's his name um Maripisi trial, that's 2019. That still has not happened. The court system is incredibly backed up. I want to just check some. Let's see. Um, let me just see some other. Boom, boom, boom. Um, this situation with the. <laughs> this situation. <laughs> Welcome back, Professor. You know what you never hear on this show, folks? Joining us right now, he's agreed to stay over, is Professor Camarongo. Who would have on a guy, this guy that he's Camarongo from PC? I had him on one time just because I was crushing him on the air. And uh, welcome back, Professor. Go ahead, finish your thought. He's the one that said, oh, Trump is done. Nope, Trump didn't win Iowa. Trump is done, yeah. (laughs) That was that was uh january of 2016 professor do you want to revisit that prediction Oh, trump is done the professors agreed to hold over through the news <laughs> camarongo never never i'm gonna try this new guy There's a new guy at providence college i'll try him out i am telling you the langevin seat that is a winnable seat as i said <clears throat> the um yeah, I want to let this conversation breathe. Now, listen, even though no one's calling the program, I know you're out there. I know there's thousands of people that are listing. Sounds like I'm just, you're just listing. No, no, no one is listing. Okay, Park boy, no one's listing. That's why no one's calling. You know, there's a, um, I want to give folks, right now at 123, yeah, Trump can't win. Oh, okay, how'd that work out, Professor Rongo? Let me just explain something. When there's a talk host like uh, like said Park Boy, <clears throat> you have to ask yourself the the re. I'll, I'll just jump. The reason why no one calls that person is because no one wants to talk to that person. You know, I I say to people if if Dan Park if he was at a party, do you think people want to sit next to him at the like a dinner party? Do you think someone? Do you, do you think some like people go want to? He's not interesting. He has no interesting thoughts. He's just like a lump. He's just like a big lump. You know, I, I, you know, you, you used to have kids like that when in, like in school, right? They would just, just sit there like a big lump in the seat. The reason why people don't call, said Pork Boy, it's not because they, you know, they're. They're thinking about it in their mind. And they're, I know, they're, they're going over it and they're digesting it. And then, no, no, here's the thing. No one calls because no one wants to talk to you. You're just like a big lump. There's, there's no one. If you, if he walked in somewhere today, do you think someone would say, now there's a guy that should be behind them? Never. No, of course not. So, yeah, Trump can't win. Okay, how'd that work out? Now, President Trump, we're going to cover it tomorrow, folks. He may have some legal jeopardy here. He may have some legal problems. Um, People that are asking me about 2024, I'm going to just continue to remind people. Let's wait and see how 2022 pans out. He can get a crowd, as he proved, Saturday night. He's doing another rally coming up in Texas. I spoke with the campaign last week. They're planning on doing two rallies a week, and they, again, I have no complaints. Couldn't have been nicer. One, if you want to come in, we'll give you, you know, credentialed. We'd love to have you join us. And I said, you yeah, know, not right now. I'm going to let things die down a little bit, and uh, as long as they can be broadcast, I'm not going to fly somewhere they can watch that. But I, I will say this about the the Trump situation. I don't like this, and and I know uh, we have a, a a listener that was. Um, uh, one of our listeners that was saying that he thinks it's the fake news media trying to flame this up with him and DeSantis. I, I, what what leads me to believe there is something to it is that if Roger Stone is suddenly starting to attack Governor DeSantis, I don't like that stuff. I don't like, there's no reason to attack Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. There is, there is certainly no reason to attack Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. There's so many people that are worthy of criticism before you ever get around to the governor of Florida. So I, I don't, I don't particularly, I don't like that type of thing. I don't. Um, and again, maybe it is some of the president's allies that feel that that he wants them to do that. But I, I never, I don't like that. I do agree uh, with the Reagan mentality, you know, the whole, the 11th Amendment is you don't attack someone else. Folks, as I try to tell people in the state, and there's a lot of people that criticize, you know, ask me how come I don't criticize certain Republicans of the state, and I'll give the same answer, <clears throat> because there's so many people in line that deserve to have their feet held to the fire and or criticized before you'd ever get around to some of the people that are uh, with the Republican Party that are trying to make a difference. But I, I think the Langevin race, that seat, is a real opportunity, I do, for the party. And I I believe the argument of, and it's true, it's hard to deny it, Rhode Island was best served when we had someone in Washington representing us. Governor McKee, last night, he, he got to do his state of the state. It was either his first or it was going to be his last. I just hear from a lot of people. I don't, there was nothing I heard last night um, that I felt he was talking to most people I know. He never talks about tax cuts. He never talks about trying to help families. It's always we're going to give this to the unions and millions to let them build new schools, even though the kids can't read and do math. We're going to We're now he announced last night, Governor McKee, we're going to cover health insurance for all illegals and their kids, at least. I mean, so and I still come back to how is that fear right now? Right now, it's 128 on this Wednesday. How is that fear? Why do you know i'll ask the question i'll be the bad cop. Why do you have to pay medical bills doctor bills for some people that moved here illegally from Guatemala and now their child is sick and I, and i'm listen i'm not I'm not saying that, that we already know the medical profession they 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 have to treat people never mind they that you know they take the oath but I come back to, why? Why do you have to pay for that? Um, they, they would be better off. I would have less of a problem. Governor McKee should announce, here's what we're going to do. We're going to deport the people back to wherever they're from. Dominican Well, not Dominican Republic, but to um, Guatemala or Nicaragua or wherever. And we're going to pay for their operation there. But how come, so, you know, some people overstay their visa... They come to Rhode Island, they are from, I'll say Guatemala, they live in Providence, they live in a Guatemalan neighborhood, they shop at Guatemalan stores, they go out to dinner at Guatemalan restaurants. I'm not saying they're not good workers, I'm not saying they're not nice people, I'm just saying, how can can Governor McKee explain that you have to pay For their children to go to the doctor. Because they're not paying for your children to go to the doctor. Who's paying for your children to go to the doctor? You're paying for your children to go to the doctor. Helena Folks. Who's running Helena Bonanno Folks. Excuse me. Even though she doesn't introduce herself that way. She announced yesterday. She did an interview. Now a lot of times maybe someone would say. I'm surprised you're mentioning an interview on another station. Well normally I wouldn't. But in my world Gene Valacenti almost crosses over. Right? He is Rhode Island's anchor man. He is he is the news. He he's the program of record. He's also, you know, six o'clock on NBC Ten. She did an interview with him yesterday. He was very kind about it. She didn't know what ballot harvesting was. Then you learn what that is. And then it's fair to say, all right, now that you know what it is, do you really think it's a good idea to flood the state with mail ballots? Um, She also believes that people from other countries should get a driving license in Rhode Island. Don't tell us, well, all these other states have it. Oh, all right. Well, there's a lot of things Rhode Island, though the states do that Rhode Island doesn't do. Okay, we want to copy other states, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, South Carolina. They don't have state income tax. Why don't we move to that direction? Right. Uh, Places like Ohio. And North Carolina are right-to-work states. Florida's a right-to-work state. Do you want to move in that direction? Wow, no, 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 this is Rhode Island. Oh, okay. So when it, it behooves you, you mention other states do it. But then when we want to mimic what other states are doing that would dramatically change the state, then, um, then that's off the table. I come back to Governor McKee is sitting on $1 billion. This is a golden opportunity to lower the sales tax of the state. Put us more in line, Massachusetts and Connecticut, he won't do it. This is a chance to, to lower, there should be a benefit to those. Um, should in fact benefit those who pay the taxes in the state. There seem to be a lot of benefits that Governor McKee is giving to people that don't pay taxes. And for those that don't fully understand it, right now at 132, if you are below a certain income level, those people don't pay taxes. That's not a racist statement. That's not a hateful statement. It's, it's a statement of fact. So when you hear about all these things, I, what I am saying is um, one of the reasons why I thought the Republican response last night to Governor McKee's speech by House Minority Leader Blake Filippi, I am telling you. It was very incredible and encouraging to actually hear someone who's a Republican in the state saying some of the things that he was saying. Um, And he was right on the money about it. The only thing missing last night would have been if Blake Filippi had then said, and that's why I'd like your vote to be the next governor of Rhode Island. That's the thing that was missing. So I do want to give them credit. And I want to also credit Channel 10, 12, and 6 Who ran his speech. Now I heard that a McKee person is very upset. That the three television stations ran the Republican response. And they go as far to say. Well they didn't do that when Raimondo Regina. They didn't do that to her. Well you know when they should have. And sometimes in the past they just did it a tape. Blake did a very effective Republican response. And the things that he talked about. You know for the life of me. For Governor McKee, for that Washington Post story, folks, today that I've been talking about that basically portrays Kent Hospital, reading the account in the Washington Post about Kent Hospital in Warwick, you would think they're describing a hospital in Haiti. They would think that you're describing this. This is what a hospital is like in Guatemala. This is what a hospital is like in a third world country. 36-hour wait to get a bed, 12 to 15 hours to wait. People being treated outside in their cars because there's no room. I mean, for Governor McKee to know about those conditions, which he does, and to give this rah-rah thing last night is a major problem. And I agree with, you know, however— Whether it is Governor McKee, hear me out. Right now, it's one thirty-five. Whether it's Governor McKee or Doctor Scott, whoever is ultimately responsible for the conditions at Rhode Island Hospital and Kent Hospital, they should be held accountable. There is, the, we we deserve an explanation on how the system got to that, how the system got to the pathetic, embarrassing third world type conditions. And I guess Landmark is the same way. Now, he may not like it, but that falls on Governor McKee. He's the governor. So last night, in a state that has a very large elderly population, um, this business of first time homeowners and the unions are getting $500 to build new schools and all this other stuff. You know what would be different would be if Rhode Island had this thriving, very successful, listen, we have the brain power at, at Brown University. You have Dr. Ja, you have Megan Rainey, right? They're both nationally, internationally renowned experts. You know, what would it take to have Rhode Island and our health care system to rival that? Of some other states, like a Boston or other states that are known for it. I mean, you can always see it. You know, there's, you know, in certain out in uh, Los Angeles, you know, there's always like Houston has a place. Whenever the, the bushes are sick, someone goes to the, the hospital there. Florida has one. Like every state, R- Rhode Island, our health care system obviously needs to be upgraded. In whatever way, then he should have used some of that bonus money to pay some of these people to stay or attract new people. I don't fully know what the answer is, but I know what's happening right now is not the answer. And it wasn't even addressed last night. For Governor McKee to stand up there like Santa Claus, and I'm going to give up money for this and money for that, and you get a car and you get a car, that, that, that's not reality. And I also, let me mention this, I don't view this now, right? Hospitals, health care, the condition of it should not be a partisan issue, should not be a Republican Democrat issue. Right now, as we speak, there's someone who has an emergency and needs to go to an emergency room. It's irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant what that person's voting history is. They need care. They, they deserve care. Um, and that's not happening. And I haven't seen Governor McKee come up with a plan. Calling out the National Guard and asking, writing a letter to the White House. Dear President Biden, I am the governor of Rhode Island. Please send help. What, he send in a bottle? That, that's, that's not a solution. That, that, that's, that's an emergency. That's what it's called for. But Massachusetts didn't have to do that. Connecticut didn't have to do that. Governor McKee took over in March. If if Dr. Scott was not his choice, he should have flushed her out in July. Period. Boom. Done. Someone said to me, there would have been protests for Black Lives Matter. Well, there wasn't. There absolutely wasn't. Um, And there wouldn't have been. And there's not going to be that this time. So that would have been the time to do it. Because this is unacceptable. This Washington Post story that is being read by everyone, folks, can you imagine, imagine, listen, people are competitive. Let's just say, for example, who would want to retire here? If you read that Washington Post story, and I'll give them credit, the Boston Globe had some stories about Rhode Island Hospital. But when you, when you read that, would you want to have your parents involved with that? Would, it, would you want to have your family would you want to have your grandmother sitting out in the car and they're starting the taking blood from her there? she's in a tent there's no one taking care of her but what what exactly is happening here and i i I have a problem with you know trying is uh the former mayor of Providence used to call it shining horse manure there there's a there's a problem with that um i I don't like the um I don't, I, I, I get why he wanted to do the state of the state and blah, blah, blah. But that Washington Post story, what I was going to say was people are competitive. So let's just say you represent, just as an example, um, I'll give an example, New Jersey. And there's a Fortune 500 company. Hear me out. And you're down to the, the final two. And this company is saying, we're going to expand. And we're either going to open a new branch in Rhode Island or New Jersey. Now, maybe New Jersey is not the best example because they have other problems. But let's just say it's North Carolina, right? If I'm the rep commerce guy in North Carolina, I'd say, Rhode Island, huh? Do you not love your family? Do you have a problem with your parents or grandparents? You want to, I guess, would you not care about your employees? You didn't, oh, did you, you didn't see the story? Do you, do you have any idea what the healthcare system is like in Rhode Island? That's how bad it is. I mean, that Washington Post story is just brutal. And it's embarrassing. And we deserve better. And the fact that for Governor McKee to stand up there last night and not even address it, that tells me also they obviously don't know that it's it's happening, <laughs> that it was coming perhaps. But this is just absolutely outrageous. I want to read. This is uh, someone sent a message to Blake Filippi. Good afternoon. I know you're probably inundated with call and message. I feel compelled to let you know I was impressed, all capitals, with your speech last night. I strongly encourage with support you decide to run for governor. We need a voice to represent the average working families in the state. I found your speech motivating and direct. Your enthusiasm will help the future generations to come. Thank you for saying what needed to be voiced. Great job. Wow, great message. I really like that. You know, I don't know. He, um, he claims or says that he's not going to run. And I, I think it is too bad. I want to once again, folks, play Tucker Carlson last night. Because when you think about it, Tucker Carlson voiced what I have been saying. Tucker Carlson said what a lot of people should be saying. And all the left, oh, what happened to compassionate conservatives? What about blah, blah, blah? Listen, this is out of hand. This is crazy what's happening right now, folks. All these people in tents and drug addicts and... It's
0: this is not complicated at all. It couldn't be simpler. Politicians are making it much easier to be a homeless drug addict in the United States and much harder to be a law-abiding member of the middle class. What's the effect? Well, let's see. The middle class is dying, and we now have record numbers of drug-addicted vagrants. What does that tell you? It tells you that incentives work. If you destroy the nuclear family, which they have, if you decriminalize drugs, which they have, if you hand out tents and needles to addicts, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to get more addicts living in tents. Again, it's not complicated. This is not a vexing public policy question that requires the brooking institution to investigate. It's not like fixing Social Security. And the solution is as simple as the problem. Here's the solution. Stop putting up with it. Say no. No, you can't smoke meth in the park. That's right. You're not allowed to crap on the sidewalk. That's right. Pull up your pants and get the hell out of here. Right. Go somewhere with lower standards. Yes. Head for a place where politicians don't care about their people because we do care. And that's why we're hauling your tent to a landfill and cutting off your checks today. You are a drug addict. Get a job or leave. This is our city. You are not allowed to wreck it. You didn't build it.
1: You know, I I know that sounds very harsh. And in some ways, it is. But there is a sea change of what's happening right now. And folks, good afternoon at 144. There's a, there are different people that I have known that at different times, because of other factors, a lot of times it's drug-related, but they have been homeless. And in situations like that, I say, you know, it's good that we have safety nets to help those people. I know of at least, I know of a couple actually as I think of it. I just thought of someone else and it was primarily it was drugs drug related and they 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 developed into such a problem that it actually for a period of time caused them to be homeless. Now, thank God through either self Uh, intervention, God, grace of God, and or safety nets we have, that they were able to get back on track and turn their life around. However, there is a difference right now. And you know, what's funny is, for instance, in Portland right now, what what, and let me explain what I think is different, is there were more people that are becoming, this is how I live. They're not Someone that went through a difficult period and kind of fell. They're deciding this is now how I live. And there are people that are benefiting from that. So there was a good guest that was on Tucker Carlson not long ago. And they talked about the the homeless problem. And they talk about the tents. But it's in Portland, in San Francisco, Because San Francisco is so out of control in L.A., and they attribute this, and I thought it was interesting, too. Some of you may remember this, some of you may not, but it was the um, Occupy movement. They started after the housing crisis. It started in New York, Occupy Wall Street, and it started down by Wall Street. All of these kids in that summer, and they all started sleeping out in very expensive tents, and it was Occupy Wall Street. And there was one, they were Burnside Park, downtown Providence. They were all over the country. And what happened was, the, the initial people involved with Occupy Wall Street were, listen, they were all these suburban white kids. And they had these expensive tents. You know, $600 tents, $800 tents, $1,000 camping tents. So the summer's over. And now they're ready to go on to whatever they're going to do. And so they started giving these expensive tents to a lot of the homeless people. Because when you think of homeless, I mean, as someone that lived in New York for nine years, you know, I didn't see tents. You'd see people in the makeshift, the cardboard boxes and that type of thing. So a lot of these suburban kids that with the Occupy Wall Street, they started handing them over to the homeless people. And then there's other people. That are buying tents, expensive tents, and handing them to the homeless people. And now you have, if for any of you that saw when I went and did some Facebook live stream outside of the, the Nilo Hotel, which has become the homeless hotel in Warwick, one of the people that I interviewed, I think his name was Q, normally in the warm weather, April through November, he, he sleeps out in a tent. He finds a place and he sleeps out a tent. He has no interest in the, in, the, uh, in, the shelter, in the shelters. He only needs them for the bad weather. But there's, there's more and more. In Providence, to some of you, these people, they just set up their tents outside. This is becoming a problem. And it's a major problem. And what also can't be ignored is you have some high-profile crime that just occurred. First of all, this Los Angeles story is, is gut-wrenching. That Los Angeles story of that you know, homeless guy, supposedly they think he's homeless, for no reason that killed that girl was working alone in a furniture store in a beautiful area of, if you know, downtown L.A., right off Wilshire Boulevard. He went in and killed her and then walked to a convenience store and bought himself a, a vape pen. He stabbed her. She texted her friend, I'm getting a bad vibe. I'm alone in the store with this guy. And then he stabbed her, killed her, and went out the back door. I mean, it's frightening. They believe he's a homeless person. Actually, they've identified who he is. He was wanted on criminal charges in South Carolina. It's so terrible. So, I mean, something has to be done. In New York, you had a homeless guy that pushed that woman onto the subway tracks over the course of the, of the uh, for no reason. She's just standing, waiting for the subway to come. And a homeless guy did it. So the homeless advocates, where are they? You know what else? All the Black Lives Matter and everything else, they're silent. Who, who are the two suspects in this? They're both African-American. And that's why, you know, the progressives saying, well, it's, it's not their fault. Society has failed them. I, I just don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, you know, I don't go with this business that there's, there's no self-accountability with this crowd. So no matter what is, whatever they do, they have an out. They get out of jail, get out of jail free card because they're, quote, homeless. Um, it's got to change. It absolutely has to. This, this can't continue this way. Now, I think in our area... I think COVID is going to st- it's starting to be on the way down. We're not there yet. Um but I I think we are going to start to the numbers are going down in the right direction. Other states, it's it's starting to hit them a little bit a little bit more. You know, there was another piece that Tucker Carlson did last night that um let me see this. New source Here we cash. go.
0: Taxpayer money, many billions in taxpayer money for something called homelessness prevention. Oh, yeah. Now, what is homelessness prevention? Listen well, to the opposite of what they call it, as always. Here's Seattle's interpretation of homelessness prevention. A handful of Seattle's more than 12,000 homeless will soon be going from the street to a new apartment with stunning views of the Space Needle and Puget Sound. Using part of its share of the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, the city bought three brand new apartment buildings for $50 million. Dollars for 165 homeless, a price of $300,000 per unit. In Los Angeles, Skid Row is about to get a new neighbor, a 19-story high-rise for homeless, costing taxpayers $160 million, or $580,000 per unit. They're part of an expensive push to get the homeless off of sidewalks and out of city parks and into government-subsidized housing, even if it means buying new buildings at market rate from developers. Oh views of the Space Spacedale and Puget Sound. Do you have one of those? Well, crackheads do. More than half a million dollars per apartment to ho- house drug addicts at public expense at market rates. So you can see why real estate developers would strongly support a program like that, and of course they strongly do. But luxury apartments are just the beginning. Seattle's most recent municipal budget allocates more than $150 million to other so-called homelessness programs just this year. Now, keep in mind, Seattle has fewer than 750,000 people living there. So that's an awful lot of money per bum. It's certainly a lot more than anyone else is getting in Seattle. At the same time it was giving overpriced condos to drug addicts with stunning views of Puget Sound, Seattle allocated just $10 million total for its small business stabilization fund designed to keep family businesses from going bankrupt during the COVID lockdowns. So the city's priorities could not be clearer than that. You lavish money on the least productive, most antisocial parasites in our society, and then you punish Americans who work for a living. Got it?
1: That is exactly right. Folks, that was Tucker Carlson last night. Well, good afternoon. It's John DiPietro. Right now, our local time is 1.52 on this Wednesday on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I also uh, remember you can go to the website. If you want to send me an email, I received this email. Dare Juan, the governor was very kind last night, assisting small businesses, alcohol to go, helping illegals and minorities, all true, helping with childcare, student loans, but he forgot someone, meaning Governor McKee in his state of the state. Governor McKee forgot someone last night, the elderly. The people that have worked their entire lives are still living in their homes, paying mortgages, hefty tax bills, not to mention rise in heating bills, maintenance. My late husband and I worked four and a half jobs between us to keep three children in college later in medical school for one of them. We were never able to take a vacation or fancy cars or do much of anything. Now at 83, I am widowed and left to struggle to pay all my bills. Where's my rescue fund and other people of my age in the same situation? Shouldn't we be helped before people who are here illegally? Yes, you should. I'm not going to use your name. Of course you should. But the problem is, I don't have an answer for that. What you're asking is completely justified. Completely. England just scrapped the mask mandate and vaccine passport. That is huge. Governor McKee has extended the emergency order. I believe, as I've said, Governor McKee continues to just go right along with trying to do whatever he can to try to get elected. And it's a problem because it's he's not leading. He's not, he's just promising. He's just... Governor McKee is, here's a group, and we're going to give you a lot of money. And here's another group, and we're going to give you a boatload of money. You know, that there's a lot of people on a fixed income. Maybe you're one of them listing right now. Where's your rescue fund? What about the elderly? You know, I've been saying for a while, and I won't say who sent me that, their name. Governor McKee has a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make Rhode Island one of the best places to retire. He won't do it. He could offer certain things for seniors. The state's never had this much money and never will have this much money. But that's not what he's spending the money on. He's giving way too much money to the unions. It is. That's what it is. They do it under the guise of, oh, we're going to build brand new schools. You know, they're going to build brand new schools. What it really is, is those are no-bid contracts to build those schools. The governor is going to invest two hundred fifty million in housing. New higher ed academy to get one thousand people college degrees or training. Um, he is going to reduce the corporate minimum tax. Oh boy, four hundred to three seventy-five. It's true. Seems to be nibbling at the edges a little bit, though. But this whole business with the the governor has one billion dollars. Complete. Once in a lifetime. He's also, listen to this. You know, I was low on this number. I said $50 million. Governor's going to spend $119 million as a down payment providing funding for small business, children, family, tourism, hospitality industry. Part of that is the state's going to put down the down payment for people. But it's not your imagination. There was nothing last night about the elderly. Nothing. There was nothing to help our seniors. There's nothing about, you know what? Oh, here it is. I was right. Okay, McKee will propose fifty million down payment assistance first time home buyers. Um, State house insiders—they're going to scoop up that money, so all their kids. If you're politically connected, your children will get the money for a down payment on their house, and then other insiders will use it to buy houses, and then they won't have to put any money down. There's nothing that said we're gonna stop taxing Social Security. Tonight I'm proud did he announce no, he could have said last night, I'm proud to announce the Rhode Island will no longer tax pensions. Nope. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. He's not gonna do that. He's not doing anything to help the elderly. Who are the people that then have to go to the hospital? Case of emergency, the the elderly. It's wrong wrong but you know you know why because they the elderly just don't fit into his agenda right as lieutenant governor matos is sitting there that's not how they feel that they're going to be able to win it's all about winning the democrat primary Folks, this portion of the program is brought by the Lodge Eatery. Forty Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. A great meal is waiting for you at the lodge. Let's let's um. I'll I'll say it right now. It's one fifty eight. Coming up, you are going to hear the two o'clock news, then the John Dion program. I'm going to do Facebook Live later tonight, and then we're back on the radio tomorrow at eleven. Governor McKee, with that money he gave to, um, with that money that he gave to the teachers, he could have said. Every person in Rhode Island over the age of seventy is going to receive one thousand dollars a piece. We're going to take care of us. He could have done that, right? He could have done that. He could have said, "Every person over the age of fifty, even that pays taxes, you're each going to get one dollars He could have done that, but instead, no, he's going to throw all that money to the unions. For these brand-new schools, and then it's a no-bid contract, and they juice up the price. Does Rhode Island need, really need to spend $500 million on new school construction? For what? We already have schools. Try teaching the children, get them learning in the schools that we already have. Nope. That's not it. Could have done it. Could have cut the sales tax. Could have said we're going to be more in line. No. You know why? Because that, it's not about helping us. It's all I hate to say it, but it's true. It's all about pandering for votes. Folks, listen, enjoy this Wednesday. It looks like we have some snow coming in the morning. Stay tuned. It's John DiPietro. Enjoy this Wednesday. We're back tomorrow morning at 11. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news.